It's my honor today to uh, present my junior high pastor. He's um, been an employee of Stony Brook Christian School for 22 years. He's been at our church, um, I guess, pretty much ever since he got out of the Marines, more or less. He's been an elder here for 15 years. He's transitioning uh, into uh, the the principal role at Stony Brook. He's been the junior high principal for 12 years. Uh, Now he's uh, in the year of 2018, I believe, is going to be transitioning this year into principal of the entire school. He's a beloved saint, and he has an incredible heart for people. Elder Lloyd Grimm, please come and share with us. Thanks, Tom. Tom told me I had to do a, I had to do a six and a half message today uh, because he didn't want me to, you know, show him up. Hey, Tom, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I usually have a, a podium in the pulpit, and so I told Tom I'm going to use his table, and so my, my comfort zone my comfort zone is gone this morning. So, so bear with me. I said this is going to be more like a junior high chapel um, to adults. And uh, no, it's my joy to be with you this morning. And if I start rambling and and, and forget what I'm saying. Here's the big picture. God loves you. <laughs> We're all on a journey. We all have a story to tell. Um, I'm amazed with at Stony Brook teaching junior high for 22 years. Um, you know, I used to just, my perception of kids was who they were behind the desk. And, and over time, I learned that, you know, these kids have stories. They're not who they are behind that desk. They got lives at home, and some of their lives are hard, and they struggle. And I know that's true here in the church body as well. We come together, we smile, we shake hands. Um, but you all have stories to tell. You're all on a journey. So, so my goal this morning is just to encourage you. Um, and I want to do that by looking at the life of John um, and looking at his life from being called a son of thunder in his journey to becoming the disciple whom Jesus loved. I thought that was appropriate. You know, I think Ray's going through the Gospel of John in Sunday school. Bill Hinckley on basketball on Saturday mornings is teaching his, his guys going through the Gospel of John. Last year in junior high youth group, I went through the Gospel of John with the kids. Tom's preaching through 1 John. So I said, let's just take a look at the life of John and, uh, and, and look at his journey. If we have time, you know, I told I had an hour, but I got about 30 minutes, so I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'll do an, an arch on us this morning. No. Um, I want to look at a little bit at my, at my mom's journey as well. And then hopefully I'll wrap up just kind of by tying it to the church. I wore this tie today. I don't know if you can see it out there. It's a picture of sheep falling off a cliff, and it's the, the scriptures, Isaiah 53, 6. All week like sheep have gone astray. And I, I wear this often at school just to remind me that we're all sinners who've gone astray in need of a Savior who loves us, a Savior who doesn't give up on us, irregardless of the circumstances in our life. Scripture teaches us that life, our journeys, about being like a race. You know, we're to finish strong, we're to persevere, run the race with endurance. And sometimes... That's hard to do. I have a picture up here. Uh, do you know who this is? Yeah, Hussein Bolt. Um, fastest man in the world. Had an incredible career. I think he's an eight-time Olympian. He had his farewell tour this, this last week. Um, and his, his last tournament of the year, I think it was in England somewhere. I forgot what the track meet was, but some kind of world championships. Uh, last Wednesday, I think he lost um, to an American Gatlin or something like that. Um, not the way he wanted to finish his career. And then yesterday, his final race of his entire spectacular career, he was the anchor of the 4x100 relay. Um, and he got that relay, and look at the next slide. He falls. Um, talk about finishing strong. Yeah. No, sometimes life doesn't go that way. 
Uh, it's not the way he pictured his career ending uh, by pulling a calf muscle and pulling up at the end and losing the race. Um, yeah, sometimes we have our life pictured out, don't we? We know just how we want it to go, and it doesn't always go that way. You know, the Bible compares our life to a race, a journey. Um, my favorite track meet, I guess, that I would compare life to would be the hurdles. Um, I don't have a picture of hurdles up there, but I think that's more like it. You know, it's not just a straight dash. It's like there's obstacles in life. There's hurdles we got to get over, and sometimes that's hard to do. Um, I have a video clip that I wanted to show you. Uh, this is of an eighth-grade girl. I think she's eighth grade at a parochial school, and it it's obviously looks like girls' PE and being forced uh, to do the hurdles. And this is how I picture more, of, more or less what life is about. Oh, it's not coming. There we go. Actually, you watch other girls, but that girl on the, the far right there is, is who it focuses on. Yeah, that's more, if we're honest with ourselves, what life looks like sometimes. Um, horrors aren't fun. We don't want to do them, but sometimes you're forced to, and, and that's how life is. Sometimes you just want to go around it, don't want to deal with things, right? And sometimes you just fall flat in your face. And, and the challenge as believers is sometimes you just got to get up and keep going. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fail. Um, I have... Another video, I think. I just found this one on YouTube. I thought it was funny, so I'll show it to you real quick. If, oh, is it not going to show it? Yeah, watch this guy. Yeah. Don't do life like that guy. I mean, sometimes we feel like that we're just bulldozing through life, irregardless of the people around us, and you're just, whatever, forget it. I'm just moving on. You just want to give up and affect the people around you. No, that's not God's plan for our life. You know, Randy started running on purpose this summer. Um, we have a lot of runners in church now that do marathons. I don't know why. Um, I used to run. I, I need to start again. Um, you know, I call it running on purpose now. And uh, so Randy's learning what it is to finish strong, and he made the cross-country team, which is really cool. So I just wanted to set that up as, as an intro this morning as we look at the life of John. And as we look at his life, I want you to think about your own journey, uh, where you've come. Uh, think back to that time when you first believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Think of all your bumps, bumps in your road um, and the lessons you've had to, to learn in life. And so let's look at, uh, John, I think you have a note sheet there. And just as uh, some background, um, I'm just going to go through these real quick. 
bullet points. I, I, I believe John wrote all of his letters, I think Tom mentioned somewhere around 90 AD, um, in that time frame, plus or minus five, ten years probably. Um, and at that time in his life, here are some of the things. Uh, he was one of the last eyewitnesses that actually walked, talked, touched, and spent time with Jesus. And that baton is about to be passed to a, a whole new generation of believers that did not know Jesus personally. Keep that in mind. Um, John spoke and he wrote from a position of authority. If you studied the Gospel of John, you know that in John 20, he, he, he wrote, he says, I wrote these things that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. He spoke from authority because he knew who Jesus was. He knew the truth, and he's writing that to an, the next generation of believers. Um, he witnessed a lot of persecution in the church. In fact, I think by the time he wrote all this, he was probably the last apostle still alive. Um, his, his own brother, James, was the first apostle that was martyred. Um, you find that story in Acts chapter 12. But by the time we get to Galatians and Paul's epistles, Paul called John a pillar, a pillar of the truth. By the time we get to Acts 17, uh, the, those that were persecuting the church were accusing the apostles and John of turning the world upside down um, with this new gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you've studied John, you recognize that John called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. If you read through the Gospel of John, every time there's a reference to him, he never calls himself by his own name. He's always referenced by, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's looking back on his life when he's writing this and realizing that he's just a sinner saved by grace. Um, someone who needed a savior, someone that... Um, messed up over and over again, yet Jesus didn't give up on him. Um, and so we're going to take a journey this morning. How do you go from being the disciple whom Jesus loved, a humble servant, um, apostle of Jesus? Uh, that's not how he started out. So in your note sheets, I want to just kind of quickly gloss over three hurdles that John had to go through uh, to start his story out. Uh, as we do that, I think I have one more slide. I'm going to kind of just gloss over this is calling. Um, you probably know that before he became an apostle, John was an, a fisherman, okay? Uh, Peter and Andrew were brothers, and James and John were brothers. They were actually partners in the fishing business. We find that story in, um, in Luke chapter 5. And when Jesus called them, he, he told Peter, you know, to go out and cast his net again, and, and James and John were there. They're part of this, this episode. Um, and they do a, Jesus does a miracle. They catch so many fish, bring it in. Um, and at the end, uh, it says that James and John, verse 10, were also the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Um, verse 11, they left all their boats to land, and they forsook all and followed him. So John leaves everything behind and is now a follower of Jesus Christ. A short time later in Mark, we see uh, that Jesus gives James and John a nickname. Um, you know, we have leaders today that like to give nicknames out to people. Uh, I won't mention any, uh, but you turn on the news, and you probably hear one every other day. Jesus did a similar thing, um, at least with James and John. He gave them the name Boanerges, uh, which is Sons of Thunder. Uh, you see, James and John, as we're going to learn, had an explosive personality. They were impulsive. Um, he was not the disciple whom Jesus loved at the start. Uh, Jesus, through spending time with Jesus, John's life was transformed. So here we go, the three snapshots. Number one, Luke, chapter 9. By the way, I'm using my mom's, my mom's Bible this morning. Um, it's just a joy to, to have this because it has all her notes 
and everything. And every now and then when I'm reading through a passage, she'll have her little inspirational thoughts. And um, I'll share that in, in a moment. But very cool. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is not the greatest chapter for, for John. Um, by the way, I'm, using, I'm reading from the New King James Version, Tom. I don't have Tom's version where it's all smoothed over and caught up, so I apologize. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. Yeah, Jesus. I did the right thing, right? But Jesus said to him in verse 50, What are you doing? Don't forbid him, for he's not against us. He's on our side. The same story is in Mark chapter 9, and it even goes further to say, you know, if someone gives someone a cup of water in my name, don't forbid him. You know, John thought he was part of this exclusive club. You know, he was on the in crowd. And, you know, those others, why are they doing things in your name, Jesus? They shouldn't be doing anything. On your note sheets, you know, John's perception is, is he wanted to exclude others from participating in the gospel ministry. Um, he wanted to exclude, while well, Jesus said, don't forbid. Um, I'm going to come back to this story in a minute when we get to the life lessons. So the first snapshot, we see John wanting to exclude others. Jesus said, don't forbid. Hurdle number two is the very next story in Luke um, chapter 9, verses 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans uh, to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, You don't know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. So here we see a snapshot, the second hurdle. Um, in, 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 that we see in the Gospels uh, regarding John's life. We're, again, John thinks he's doing the right thing. They go in to prepare a Samaritan village for, for, for Jesus, and the Samaritans reject uh, the message of Jesus there, and John just wants to destroy them. He just wants to command fire down. They're not for us. Let's destroy them, Jesus, right? No, no. Jesus says, I didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Uh, number two on your note sheet, John wanted to destroy while Jesus wanted to save. We'll come back to that again in, in a minute. The third hurdle that I wanted to, just, to share with you is found in Mark chapter 10, verse 32. Now, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, scourge him, spit on him, and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, Well, what do you want me to do for you? So they said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said to him, Yeah, we're able. 
So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I kind of want to put the story in, um, in context. Jesus had just finished telling his 12 disciples what he's about to go through. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be um, scourged, beaten, crucified. And he told him he's going to rise again on the third day. Was, was John tracking? No, not really. His mind was, yeah, whatever, Jesus. Hey, by the way, we want you to do for us whatever, whatever we ask you. Okay, <laughs> what do you want me to do? You know, we want power. We want authority. We want position. You know, when you come to your kingdom, we want to sit on your left and your right. And Jesus is like, are you, are you sure? So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're right with you, Lord. Well, okay, you are going to be baptized, you know. They're going to be martyred. See, one thing about Jesus is he already knows the end game, right? He already knows all of them are going to be persecuted and martyred because of Jesus Christ. He hasn't let them in on that little secret yet, otherwise they might have bailed. Um, they're not, they weren't mature enough in their faith for, for that part. Um, but they're saying, yeah, Lord, we're ready. Jesus said, nah, I don't think so. In fact, I have a whole other paradigm for you. You want to be great? Learn to serve. I didn't come to serve. I mean, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Um, we'll come back to, to this snapshot in a moment, but I think on your note sheet, um, in, in this snapshot of John's life, John wanted power, he wanted position, he wanted authority. Any of those words work in that blank. Jesus came to serve. You know, last week Tom talked about getting Jesus to yes. You know, how to twist God's arm. Boy, I'm, so, I'm, I'm glad sometimes Jesus says no. <laughs> because we're, our hearts just aren't in the right place at times. You know, if John would have had his way, and Jesus would have just said, all right, whatever, John, okay. We would have had an exclusive, power-hungry person that just wanted to destroy people that didn't agree with him. You know, I think we've got enough people in the world <laughs> like that. Um, do you know any exclusive people that are power-hungry that just want to destroy those around them? You just turn on the news. There it is. That's the world for you. And uh, that was John's mindset early on. He's human. We're all sinners. <laughs> we all need a Savior. And Jesus had a better way. In fact, he had a radically different way. He says, no, John, we're not here to destroy. We're not... We're not here to seek power. Uh, we're not here to be exclusive. No, I have a different way for you, and it's the way of love, a love that comes from God. It's a radical love. It's a tough love. Todd's been preaching about it uh, this last month, which has been amazing, by the way, um, through First John. Um, it's a paradigm shift. It's not the way of the world. It's Christ's way. So let's look at these snapshots again from a different perspective. Uh, some of the lessons that Jesus was teaching John. I call them life lessons. 
weird not having a podium. Life lesson number one. Um, I've entitled Love One Another. Love One Another. John wanted to exclude, in the snapshot we read, other believers. And Jesus says, don't forbid them. As he's, John's going to find out, we're all part of one body. And when we get to the book of Acts and we see the birth of the church, um, there's no such thing as Gentile or Jew, Gentile, um, slave or free. We're all one now in Christ. And I think when Jesus said, people will know you're, you're my disciples by your love for one another, I think he literally meant your love for each other. Um, the church is to be a beacon of love. When people look at us, uh, um, Tom, and often when we do announcements, we, when we say to visitors, we say, we hope you sense something of the love um, that we have for one another here at Coast. Because that's what life's about. It's about loving each other. And that's not the way of the world. The world's full of hate and anger and rage and bitterness. And your life is to be marked with love. John got that. When he writes his, his letters in First John, we've been studying it every week, what true love looks like. Life lesson number two, um, I've entitled, Love Your Enemies. Not, not only are we to love each other, we're to love those who it's not easy to love. Um, John, Jesus taught about it in, in his parables, in his, his lessons. You know, he said, um, it's one thing to, to, to love your neighbor, but I, I tell you, love your enemies. Bless those who harm you. Um, pray for those who persecute you. Um, John writes about it again in First John. We've been studying not to hate our brother. Um, and don't be surprised when the world hates you. It's tough to, to pray for those who, and love those who are your enemies. We live in a pretty sheltered environment here in South Orange County. We don't experience persecution like the church at large might, especially those over in the Middle East. Uh, but believe me, Satan is alive and well um, in this world, and he's seeking to destroy your life. He's seeking to take your eyes off of Christ. I think he does it in Orange County by just keeping us distracted, <laughs> you know, with media and this and Facebook or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, don't, fuck, don't, don't read your Bible. Don't think about Jesus. You know, go do this, go do that. And he's just got us buried with distractions, and he's, you know, he's got Orange County mastered. Uh, but overseas, I, I have a book I don't know if I'm supposed to be promoting books or not. Tom's got a book for sale back there for $35. I don't know. I read a book this summer. It's called Standing in the Fire. I think I have a picture of it by Tom Doyle. I don't know if you've heard of Tom Doyle. Um, he does a lot of work in the, in the Middle East with, with the church over there. And um, it's what an inspirational book. Each chapter t- talks about a, a Christian living in Syria or Iraq or Lebanon and just the persecution, their faith. These people are literally in the fire, uh, lives on the line. Um, and I talk about loving your enemies. I just want to. There's this pastor Farid that lived in Syria. Homs lives in Syria, and he had received so many death threats. And I just want to quote a couple things here. Um, it's kind of in storyline. He wants to kill you. Why do you give him the time of day? And, and Pastor Farid says, "Well, when he calls, it reminds me to pray for him. Um, I figure nobody else will." So he's the number one terrorist on my prayer list. Can you imagine living life from that perspective? I mean, the world says, hate your enemies, blow them up, take, you know, get rid of them. Not this guy, he's living in the midst. 
in Homs, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube video of Homs before and after. You know, it was a, a town of 750,000 people. It's under 200,000 now. And, and just before and after pictures, it's just totally destroyed um, from between the civil war in Syria and ISIS and everything else. Um, but in this chapter, this guy committed to praying for him. Um, he received death threats after death threats after death threats. And in the end, uh, you know, the church is kind of underground secret. And the guy that was trying to kill him came into their church meeting. And Pastor Furry said, fine, I give up. He gets on his knees into the execution position. If you're going to kill me, just kill me. And uh, Pastor Furry said, why would I kill a brother? This guy came to faith in Christ because Pastor Furry never gave up on him. Um, and he saw something different about these Christians. And like, who can love like that? You know, we're not taught to love like that. We're taught to, you know, I hate you, I kill you. Um, but something different, and the Spirit worked on his heart. Um, fascinating book. If you, want an encur- if you want a book that encourages you in your faith and, and see what God's doing around the world, God's kingdom is alive and well and doing amazing things, irregardless of what you watch on the news. Um, we're called to love our enemies. I don't know if you have people in your life that, man, they're just hard to get along with. Maybe it's not, you're not being persecuted. Maybe you are. I don't know. Uh, but I challenge you this week, think of that person and commit to praying for them. Look at them through a different lens. Look at them through the lens that they're made in God's image. God loves them. Because God loves them, I can love them too, even though they're my enemy. Um, and commit to praying for them. It's a way you can expand God's kingdom. You'd be surprised. Because it's the Spirit who works, not us. The third snapshot um, in, I call it life lesson number three, is to love and service. Love and service. John wanted to have power, position, authority, and Jesus said, no, that's not, that's, that's not the right perspective. If you want to be great, you've got to learn to serve. And Tom preached about it last week. Um, don't just love in word and tongue, but love in action and in truth. Um, learn to serve. Find your gifts. God's gifted you. Um, and use them to honor him. Real quickly, I... I don't know if I have time for this now. I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, I want to share a little bit about my mom's journey. You know, John was so long ago. Uh, that baton passed around 90 AD to the next generation, to the next generation, next generation. Here we are 2,000 years later, and God's kingdom is still growing and expanding uh, through sinners. <laughs> and uh, it's hard to believe my mom's been gone for two and a half years. Um, but I know she was a pillar of this church, along with Fred Koblenz and Al Eaton and so many saints made this place a special place to be. And I know you all think my mom was perfect um, and had life all together, and she did. She did. She was perfect. No. Um, she learned that God loved her, and because God loved her, she can love others. And when she looked at you guys, she looked past you. She looked past your circumstances and realized that we're on this journey together. We all have life. Life stinks. Life's messy. Relationships are hard. Um, but we're in this journey together. And so I want to take you through my mom's journey because she had several hurdles in your life that you may, some of you might know, but you may not know. Um, life wasn't easy. And I kind of want to take you through this journey by her hairstyles. You all know her from her gray hair, you know, old, wise. And um, 
When she retired from Stony Brook, her passion was to invest in our seniors. The seniors was the new youth group of Coast Bible Church. Um, they had luncheons and get-togethers and went bowling, I think, and went, you know, I don't know what they did. Um, but she was passionate about encouraging the coasters um, along. Uh, but her journey didn't start as a senior. Her journey started way back when and life lessons along the way. You probably didn't know my mom when she had her beehive. Um, I think that's a wig. I think I remember seeing the wig on the little styrofoam thing at home. Um, She would shoot me, but she's not here, so I can get away with it. Um, One thing about this picture, yeah, yeah, that's me down there. I think I was two, my brother Steve and Walt. Steve's been here lots of times. He's the one, the tall one in the back. Um, you know, my mom's smiling in this picture, but not too long ab- uh, before this picture, you might notice, this is when my mom was Mrs. Grimm. Um, that's where I get Mr. Grimm from. Um, you notice Mr. Grimm's not in that picture. You see, my dad left. Um, they were married for 17 years, and this is a real hurdle in my mom's life along her journey. Um, and one thing I really appreciate about that time in, in my life is I've never heard my mom say one bad thing about my dad. They had the most respectful relationship. It's amazing. I, I, I had a great relationship with my dad once I was old enough to know him. He moved to Oklahoma and everything. But there was, there was I still don't know why they separated. Um, I know alcohol had something to do with it um, and a few other things, I'm sure. Um, but my mom chose to love when it was easy to hate. Um, Another thing about this picture, you might not... Oh, go back, go back. Another thing about this picture, you might not realize is there's three boys. My mom had six boys. There are three boys between Walt and me that didn't live, didn't survive. Um, one of them was old enough uh, to be buried and, and have a service. Um, his name was Randall James Grimm. Um, and I always said growing up, when I had my first boy, I was going to name him Randall James Grimm. So now you know how Randy got his name. Um, hurdles. In life, you know, sometimes life throws things at you that you don't expect. Um, they're out of your control. They're out of your hands. How do you deal with it? Um, my mom taught me a lot by the way she handled adversity in her life. This was early 70s, I think 1972. So, and she had that in the 60s as well. So, fast forward a little late 70s, the hairstyle changed. Oh, it's hard to see in this picture. It was kind of the Farrah Fawcett, you know, the the long with the 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 swoosh. Um, and me, um, I think I'm going into fourth or fifth grade there. And you might notice some things missing from that picture. See, in this picture, my mom was Mrs. Warren. You might not even know that she had a last name Warren uh, for several years. And um, my brothers had either moved or, or were about to move to um, Oklahoma to live with my dad. So it was just me and my mom for several years. Uh, Mr. Warren left. I didn't even find out till a few years ago that he was unfaithful. Year for years and years and years, um, and he bailed um, on her. He, she, my mom never spoke a harsh word about him. I had no clue. Um, it's, it's an amazing testimony. Uh, life throws you junk, and um, and she grew and and went through it. Uh, the next picture, my mom went gray. Now this picture is several year, years later, but the guy on the on the left up there is Mr. Fisher, my mom's name. Um, my mom went to church one Sunday. She used to get her hair permed and do all that stuff and colored, and, and one Saturday it just didn't happen. 
and she was in tears. I'm not going to church. I'm not going to church. I don't want people to see my gray hair. Um, thank God for gray hair because that's when Bob looked, gave eyes to my mom. He says, wow, she's older than I thought. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Not too long later, they were married, and um, my mom's life changed. Her spiritual journey really took off when they got together. Um, My mom stumbled through life just like we all do, but it's when Mr. Fisher came into the picture where her spiritual journey just exploded. Bob's the one that brought us to Mission Viejo, came to Coast Bible Church, where they really heard for the first time in their lives God's message of grace. Um, But 10 years later, they're married for 10 years. I mean, Bob, my mom was, was Bob's Cinderella. He loved her so much. And Bob was my mom's Prince Charming. I, I couldn't, I've never seen a better marriage where two people really loved each. It was sickening. Um, <laughs> not really. But one thing about this marriage than the previous ones is Christ was the center. They understood God's love, and they were just sinners saved by grace. And I'd come home, or Bob would come home from work, and, and they just read their Bibles. Bob would fall asleep reading his Bible. Christ was the center. Their, their life verse was Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. They loved God first. They delighted in God first, and everything else seemed to take care of itself, regardless of the circumstances. Well, most of you know, because they were at Coast at this time, Bob died um, 10 years into their marriage from a heart transplant. He died at UCI, another hurdle. My mom just had it. What are you doing? I just got life, and she ripped him away. Um, life has hurdles. <laughs> Life's not easy. So that was the gray hair. The last hair, you guys know well, was no hair. Um, the last hurdle. This is a picture of my mom with all nine grandkids. Um, and my mom was healthy for 74 years. Nothing but, you know, another hurdle. Life does that to us. And 18 months later, she was gone. No hair. But you know what? She finished strong. She finished strong because she realized she was loved by a Savior. Saved by grace. And irregardless of the circumstances life threw at her, she was going to be faithful because God was faithful to her. When the world didn't love her, when her husbands were unfaithful, she had a God who loved her. And it's because of that love that transformed her life that she can love you and love me. I don't know what your hurdles are. I don't know where your journey is. Um, but I think there's a message for you, you here this morning. I told Tom before, I don't even know what my main point is today. My main point was to encourage you. We all have a story to tell. We all have hurdles we've gone through or are going through or will go through. John had them, but John's life was transformed by the grace of God. My mom had them. Her life was transformed by the grace of God. You have them. And I don't know what the takeaway is for you today. Maybe it's just you need, to, you need to get back in the game. You need to start running those hurdles again instead of trying to dodge them. Because each hurdle in life, there's a lesson to be learned. There's growth through trials and, and, and the junk that happens. Um, maybe you've had life experience. Share it with others. That's what my mom did. Disciple. John was discipled by Jesus. My mom discipled half the church. Um, get in the game. Disciple the young ones. Um, I better go to my note sheets before I start rambling. 
I don't even know where the last page is. I got a bunch of scribbles. I wrote, love God first. <laughs> love God first. We can love God because he first loved us. Um, it's okay to fail. Jesus could have easily given up on John and said, John, forget it. You're too explosive for me. You really are a son of thunder. Get out of here. I need people that got it together. Jesus didn't do that. He could have given up on my mom. didn't. He doesn't give up on you. When you guys look in the mirror, um, I hope you see that you're a child of the one true king and that you're loved. Um, when I think about Coast Bible Church, um, I'm excited for our future. Yeah, we've had bumps along the way. We've had journey. We've had our own hurdles. Uh, but it's, it's so cool to see Tom. I think I have a picture of Tom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was his youth pastor back in the day. And really, he told me he wanted to, um, he needed a Sunday off because he just, he missed the band. He wanted to get up there and, you know, jam with the band up there. Um, you know, when I think about Tom, I think a little bit about John. You know, we all have a journey. And um, Tom shared his story. He shares it every Sunday, just his journey, where he's come. And, uh, you know, here we are, headed to the next 50 years of Coast Bible Church. I think of Estella. You know, she grew up at the church. And now here she is leading worship and leading our children. Uh, I think, see Bill and Rachel back. They grew up in the church. Uh, Deborah and so many others um, who grew up at Coast Bible Church. And as we leave this morning, you know, I was just thinking, it's your turn. The baton's been passed. You know, we had so many um, anchors and pillars. Your dad, Fred, Al, my mom, and so many others, they're gone. They did their time. They were faithful. They passed the baton on. And now Tom, this is it. Stella, this is it. You guys, it's your church now. Own it participate in it, love each other. I'm excited for what God has. Um, don't, don't be on the sidelines. Get in the game. And with that, I'll stop rambling. I'm over time. I'm sorry. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you that you love us. Lord, we recognize that we're just sinners saved by your grace. We've all fallen astray. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that doesn't know your son, Jesus Christ, that they won't leave without knowing that they can have eternal life, true life, just by believing Jesus for who he says he is. Lord, I pray for those of us here that are struggling. Maybe we're like that girl in that video that just, we feel like we're flat on our face. Lord, give us the courage to stand and to keep going, to keep fighting. We can fight, Lord, because you fought for us and you love us. Lord, when we look at others, Help us to see others how you see them, as your creation, that they're loved. Lord, teach us how to pray for those we don't get along with, for our enemies, for those who seek to do us harm. And Lord, give us a heart to serve. Lord, we love Coast Bible Church. Lord, I thank you for this next generation that's taken the lead with Tom and Estella and so many others. Um, bless them, Lord. Bless this church. Let us be a pillar of the truth, a pillar for grace, and a, and a place that loves family. In Jesus' name, amen.